I encourage you to read the talks once again and to ponder the messages contained therein. I found in my own life I gain even more from these inspired sermons when I study them in greater depth. The basic pattern is to identify the fundamental doctrine or principle that's being taught. Find any invitations associated with and related to that doctrine or principle. And then also recognizing the promised blessings if we act in accordance with that invitation. Welcome to Words of the Prophets podcast. My name is Todd. I'm here with my daughter, Aaliyah, and my friend, Rivka. And this is a podcast where we discuss the latest talks from the General Conference of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Aaliyah, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you? Awesome. I'm doing really well, thanks. Uh, Tell me what you've been listening to lately. What kind of music have you been enjoying? Okay, so... There's this composer named Austin Wintery. He writes Mm. music for video games. And I have heard several of his songs and tracks um, kind of in my process of writing music for my composition portfolio. When I was applying to the program at BYU, I was listening to some of his songs and they're really inspiring to me and they kind of got the gears turning. And then after that, I kind of stopped listening to his stuff. And then recently my dad added several of his songs to our shared playlist that has all of our movie and video game scores. And I love his music. It's so good. It's super, super pretty. There's a video game called Journey, which is um, famous for its art and its uh, style. It's very pretty, <laughs> I guess. Right. Um, and the music totally fits that. It's such like everything is just really amazing and uh so i've been listening to that almost nonstop since he added it and i was like yes austin wintery (laughs) awesome yeah i came upon that by the youtube algorithm i think Mm -hmm. and um the first song that came up was called apotheosis and so i knew that i had to listen to it so and now i'm interested in playing the game it sounds quite a bit different than most games it's not competitive it's sort of a Uh, more of a journey journey. right (laughs) (laughs) great well Rivka how are you today I'm doing great thanks um tell me how the weather is today in the Pacific Northwest balmy blue skies and sun out (laughs) it's the magic of the podcast (laughs) it's fantastic and you know it's we just got back from a brief but amazing spring break trip down the Oregon coast and into Northern California to go hike through some of the redwood forests. Ooh. We had like gorgeous, perfect weather the, the whole trip. So it's been a week full of sunny blue skies and my soul needed that. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Sun just does the, the mind good, I think. Well, fantastic. Today we are going to be talking about the talk Essential Conversations by Joy D. Jones, who was the general primary primary general president, is the way I should say it, and was released at this conference. So this was sort of her final talk. And I think she gave it before um, she was released technically because the releases come later in the conference. And man, it sure felt like it when she gave it that it was just this definitive statement on on teaching children. It was just so powerful. So I really enjoyed this. Aliyah, what were some of the, um, as, as a mother of zero, um, <laughs> what were some of the takeaways you had from this talk about teaching children? Yeah, it was interesting to me because as I was reading it, I could kind of feel myself like distancing from 
the content because I was like, oh, that doesn't apply. That doesn't apply. I don't need to think deeper about that because, <laughs> because I don't have children. Right. Um, but one, I, one thing I really liked is that she said, accidental conversion is not a principle of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this can apply to everyone. Um, and of course she was putting it in the context of teaching children because they're not going to convert on their own. But um, I, I love it because I think there's a lot of things in this gospel that we often learn that you can't just let the river take you, you know, like you have to make choices and you have to be intentional about things. And it's not an accident. You know, there are no accidents. <laughs> um, right. And uh, I think that was just a really cool, like, like you said, definitive is very clear and bold. Accidental conversion is not a principle of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I thought that was a, a cool sentiment. Yeah, fantastic. I usually um, sort of highlight principles or teachings that grab me in yellow. And in this one, I highlighted it red because it just really, really hit me hard. So Mm -hmm. um, Rivka, what was your general impression from this talk? Well, as a mother, I, I listened to it with those ears, but I also was listening to it, I found, as a daughter. You know, and at 40 years old, that might seem like the, I don't know, not normal, but I still, um, I still depend heavily on the advice and counsel from my parents, from in-laws. Um, and so, you know, I was listening to it also as that child, am I far enough in? Um, and so from both points of view, this talk was highly instructive and, and I really appreciated the very straightforward, powerful way she spoke. It was not sometimes, um, as a mother and just as a, as a person, I get frustrated with the idea that we have in our society right now. This, like we hear this all the time. You do you right. Like yes. do whatever makes you happy. And just speaking as someone who has, has lived for several decades, that is not always good advice. In fact, it's rarely good advice. <laughs> whatever it is that you think is the right thing to do right now um, on a whim. And certainly as a mother, that that idea of just, you know, whatever makes you oh feel happy or comfortable because life is not always about being comfortable. And in fact, being comfortable in all aspects of life generally means you're making zero progress and you're not really producing anything that, um, you know, (laughs) and you need to produce to actually feel like, like a contributing member of society. So anyway, all of that is to say, I appreciated that she used um, you know, terms like training your children. And she brought up the boot camp guy, you know, all of these things that are so not what you read in a lot of parenting things right now, which is kind of like, let kids be what they're going to do, what they're going to do and be what they're going to be. And, and while I can understand some of the underlying ideas behind that, you know, because we are all individuals and we've talked before on this podcast about talks where we have individual um, paths that we're walking through mortality. And so there is, that does need to be honored, but we're, there's still, it's a, it's a straight and narrow way that we are walking. And there, 
there are a lot of ways to walk that path, but there's just the one path to be walking. Indeed. Yeah, that's fantastic. So I I might have the wrong impression about this, but I feel like the idea that you do you is sort of generational. Like when, when Rivka and I may not love that saying, it sounds like we're sort of grumpy old people telling you <laughs> to get off our lawn, you know? So Aliyah, I'm interested in your thoughts about that idea about, you know, you do you or, or how that fits in with the gospel and, and this talk. What do you think? Um, so I, that idea is um, pretty common, but I think maybe this is just because I've grown up in the gospel or grown up in a, in a home where that, I don't know, isn't as prevalent but to me, I, I have a kind of a similar reaction of like, but I don't, the things that I want to do are a lot of times not the things that I need to do. And so like people will say, oh, you know, take some time for yourself and self-care and self-love or whatever. And I'm always like, what do you mean by that? Like, because <laughs> they're always thinking, you know, go watch Netflix for a couple hours or like right. lay in your bed and do nothing. And like, yes, I want to do that. But should I? No. Will it make me happy? for a little bit maybe but not in the long run and not not even like afterwards like or sometimes even during if i'm watching something and i know that i have homework to do or i i can generally feel when something is making is not making me fulfilled like i have this internal kind of sense of fulfillment and i know when something is fulfilling and when it's not and so like there was a sign on the bathroom of our dorm that said like tips for self-care or something. And I was like, oh boy, here we go. But then I was reading it and it was like actually good stuff, like meditating and getting sleep and exercising and going on a walk. And I was like, those are all good things that are fulfilling and helpful to me and my body and my mind to like get me up to speed. And I think in the gospel, it's similar. Like, do I want to read the scriptures for 30 minutes? Not really, but it will make me feel joy and fulfillment. Yes. And will I learn from it? Yes. So should I do it? Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. I, maybe that's from, uh, years of me telling you about all the things that aren't fair in life and you just have to deal with it. (laughs) Indeed. Um, so we recently had, you know, most of the schools in our area go back to full-time in-person school. And I do a ton of youth interviews. You know, I talk to all the youth and when all the lockdowns hit last year, Almost universally, with the exception of a couple introverts, um, people said, oh, I hate this. I want to be back in school. I don't want to be at home, blah, blah, blah. And as school started in the fall, they just kept saying like, no, this is dumb. I don't like it. And then as things went on, um, as we started getting back to the point of reopening the schools, I started hearing more kids saying, oh, I don't really want to go back. And the inertia of just being at home and a lot of them, their grades were slipping and they just stopped caring about that. And a lot of them, Wednesday wasn't a real day. It was sort of a day off. And a lot of them were playing, you know, on their phone or whatever during Zoom classes. So this is not to, I'm not throwing shade at any kids here. This is just a human reaction to the situation where you, that inertia, you just get sucked into the vortex of inactivity And then they started not wanting to go back because they forgot all the good things and it just seemed harder. And now that they're back, it's been so good for so many of them. And I can speak especially to our son who all of his grades went up. 
his happiness went up, his cheerfulness went up, his social life went up, like everything got better when he went back to school, even though he initially didn't want to because he didn't want to pull himself out of that, you know, sort of inertia of just being at home and not having to worry about things. Um, so I think that we've gone way off <laughs> on a tangent here, but it also ties into what she was saying about you know, the effort it takes to teach your kids and to teach them to put forward that effort. Um, I think one of the things that really stuck out to me about this um, talk here, one of the quotes um, was this first paragraph where she said to our Heavenly Father, children have never been secondary. They have always been primary. And one of the um, uh, the second counselor in the bishopric in our ward, he likes to say how the primary answers aren't called the primary answers because they're simple or because kids can do them. They're primary because they're fundamental and because they're the first things we should be doing. So, you know, uh, reading scriptures, saying prayers, going to church and so on. Um, so uh, on his, you know, inspiration, I sort of have started calling them the fundamental answers rather than the primary answers. And I love that she emphasizes like kids are fundamental to the gospel and to our lives. And um, they should you know, receive the time and attention that is necessary to help um, teach them the gospel. So I thought that was a really awesome way to open this. Um, Aaliyah, did you have any other quotes that stuck out to you as you read through this? Yeah, so I liked the parts where she said, um, I think she was quoting a lot of people when she was saying these two, but that the best time to teach is when they're young, because that's when they aren't as susceptible to temptations. Um, and that's when they are dealing with less of their own personal, uh, struggles and, you know, noise and issues. <clears throat> so that was interesting to me because I hadn't thought of that before. Um, like I didn't even realize that they would be less, you know, susceptible is the word I keep using, but susceptible to Satan's temptations and attacks when they were young. And I guess that's why we don't baptize kids until they're eight, um, because they don't have the opportunity to sin really until then, um, until they're accountable and they can actually feel the effects of temptation and, and you know, work through that. So I thought it was interesting that uh, she said to teach them early because of those uh, reasons, because that's just the best time to do it is when you can, like, I guess, place truth in their minds before anything else becomes an option, I guess. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, and I think, you know, he talked, she talked about hearing the noise of their own personal struggles, like when they're just so simple and innocent, it's so much easier to get through to those fundamental principles. Mm -hmm. So awesome. Rivka, um, what other quotes stuck out to you? Um, so as, as I'm sitting here listening to this discussion we're having, I'm remembering um, a conversation I, I had with my mother a long time ago when I was still living at home. And I don't remember what led to this conversation, but I must have asked some sort of question about someone concerned that maybe it was religious people, maybe it was LDS people in general brainwashing their children. Right. Uh. And some, some of this kind of, it can sound like that. So I remember asking my mom, like, you know, some question about that. What do you think about it? What do you feel? And her answer has stuck with me forever. She just said, well, 
I mean, brainwashing is a strong word, but she said, I send you kids out into the world all the time. And there are a lot of different people with a lot of different agendas trying to brainwash you in different ways. So, I mean, why wouldn't I be actively trying to get you to believe what I believe also? And I thought, well, that just makes a lot of sense. You know, everyone's out there trying to make money off us. So they're brainwashing you about fashion or they're brainwashing you about political ideologies. And, you know, brainwashing is sort of a, I'm using this term loosely because everyone kind of throws it around. But there are a lot of people promoting their ideas and wanting to teach you and wanting you to accept those ideas. And so it makes total sense that, you know, as parents or as leaders of, of religious organizations, that we would also be promoting our ideas and trying to get them, especially the ones that we believe are true and will bring happiness and um, the ability to live good lives. Of course, we would be trying to get people to believe these things. Jesus did the same thing. He was always trying to teach people and, and you know, promote the ideas of truth that he taught. So as I'm, as I'm just listening to our conversation and this, I, I don't know why that is in my head, but this idea that it's not, we're not really actually trying to brainwash here, but as she's talking with a very powerful thing, like, you know, someone might say, Oh, we'll try to get them while they're young, but kind of, you know, you do want to have an influence on, on, on minds when they're young, because it's when they, they learn and they're, and they're forming, um, and they're, they're accepting of things. And, you know, like she says in here before the difficulties start, because when we are in the midst of difficulties, it is hard for us sometimes to, um, to, I don't know, be accepting of gospel truths that mean that we have to be patient about things or, you know, that there isn't a quick answer all the time for all the difficult things we do. So having this information in ourselves before we confront those big things is hugely advantageous. Yeah. And should, and should be prominent, you know, in what we're teaching children, um, whether those children belong to us or, or we're in a calling where we're serving, you know, in youth or children programs, or whether we are just, we have friends who have children. We we are all influenced by so many people who act in parental roles. Right. I love that. I I had a sociology professor back in undergrad. He used to say he was encouraging us, uh, you know, of course we were, you know, 20, 21, 22, very young and the vast majority did not have kids, but he was saying, you know, when you have kids, he was encouraging us to talk openly with our kids about sex as early as we felt comfortable. And of course, scale it down to their understanding. But he would always say, who do you want to be the first person that talks to your kid about sex? You or MTV? Now that dates me, of course, (laughs) we might say, we might say the the internet. internet right? Mm -hmm. Um, the internet, you or the internet or, you know, their friends or whatever. Um, so who, and that goes for so many things. Who do you want to be the first person to talk to your kids about the gospel or about making choices or, um, you know, about listening to the spirit versus the natural man versus you do you. Um, so I think that applies in, in every way. And I think, you know, I've, I've heard a lot of people also say, you know, I, I didn't, I don't want to push my kids. I didn't want to like make choices for them and make them come to church. But of course, what choice is a 10 year old kid going to make like not to go to church? Um, so 
I think separating in our minds the difference between brainwashing or making choices for someone from teaching, influencing, and you know, shepherding, those are vastly different things. So and of course that brings us back to the way she talks about doing this, which is essential conversations. She says to consider the value of family conversations about the gospel of Jesus Christ, essential conversations that can invite the spirit. And then she runs through a bunch of things like um, vital discussions on repentance, faith, baptism, and so forth. Um, So I'd be interested in hearing from both of you. So from Rivka about how you've had those conversations with your kids and from Aaliyah about, um, you know, now that you're an adult, if you can recall any of those conversations or how that might've influenced you when you were younger. So let's start with Rivka since Aaliyah has to cast back into her memory for this. And Rivka is probably doing this already on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, well, just a couple of, of examples. One is more of a fundamental thing rather than an actual example, but I grew up in a home because my father is a, a professor of religion. I grew up in a home where conversations about religion were totally normal and every day. It was not a a strange thing. It wasn't uh, an only for Sunday thing or only on family home evening. We were constantly talking about it because he was talking about work or something he'd learned or a thing that he'd seen. And, And of course, the LDS religion mostly, but I grew up discussing a lot of different religions. And right. um, so it's just a very normal thing. And so I knew I wanted that in my home as well, where this is not because it's fundamental to my life. It should be coming up all the time. And I wanted that um, for my kids. So I have worked really hard to create a home environment where discussions about the gospel of Jesus Christ are normal. Here's how it is something that happened in my life today or Um, here's something that I was studying or reading, or here's a question I have. What do you guys think about this? Just, just normal. Um, could be while we're driving the car, could be over dinner, but it doesn't doesn't really matter. It's just, why not talk about it? Um, so that has been important to me and it has paid dividends, um, that I am grateful for because now my kids think it's totally normal to ask questions. And if you have a gospel question or, or even something that maybe feels like a doubt, that's great. I remember my daughter when she was probably six or seven, she was young and being really kind of, I could tell she was upset one night. So I went in to talk to her in her room before bed. And she said, mom, you know, we're talking about in primary today about having, having faith. And she said, I don't know if I have faith because I have so many questions. And so I got to have a really wonderful discussion with her at a young age, pre-baptism age, about the value of asking gospel questions. And so for her, that is something now, she's 13, she turns 14 this year, that that I work to overtly compliment her on whenever she comes up with a question. You are such a great asker of questions about the gospel. And that is a wonderful skill to have and something you should do. Not That is not contrary to having faith. Um, and then a more specific example of a t- like times when I facilitated these conversations, um, for me, it was possible when my kids were 
attending public school. So it was about a four-year time frame. For me, it was possible to drive them to school in the mornings. They would ride the bus home in the afternoon, but I drove them to school in the morning. And we had Books of Mormon stuck in the little back pockets where they sat in the back seat, those pockets in front of them. And we would pull those out and we would just do our scripture study on our drive to school because I had them in the car with me and there was nothing else for them to do. So I got to just <laughs> read, read the scripture. Yes. And we would just, and we would just, we read through the whole book of Mormon. It took us about three and a half years that way because we would read through some verses and I would ask questions and I would ask them if they had questions. And a lot of times in the beginning, because they were little, little, their questions would be like, what does this word mean? Or I don't understand even what this is talking about at all. And, and we could discuss. And so our first discussions about a lot of gospel topics, about repentance, um, about the, the instruction that I was able to give them on baptism, our first discussions about the law of chastity, um, and, and, you know, bigger, seemingly more difficult gospel topics all came about in the car driving to school. So that's just, I mean, that was one way um, that it became something that was a part of our every day. And we'd get ready for school and we'd pop in and the kids knew, oh, pull out the Books of Mormon. Where were we with our bookmarks? And, and it became a part of just life and living that wasn't connected to Sunday. It wasn't connected to family home evening or, um, you know, uh, youth activities or primary activities that, that it become really easy to, um, compartmentalize. Right. Yeah. But this was just, well, we're going to school and we're in the car driving. And so some, then sometimes when we'd be driving other places, they'd be like, where were we in the book of Mormon? And I was like, oh, okay, we'll do this. It just became a part of life. Um, and the, and the living of every day. Fantastic. I think that's exactly what she's talking about when she says caring conversations happening naturally and consistently can lead to better understanding and answers. Let's not allow the convenience of electronic devices to keep us from teaching and listening to our children and looking into their eyes. That was like a knife to the heart right there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So don't let that convenience stop you. So Aaliyah, what, what were your thoughts on that? So I think that I grew up in a similar, well, am growing up in a similar kind of environment and home where we talk about gospel stuff all the time and it will just randomly come up and it's not ever weird or like awkward. And you don't have to like start the conversation by saying like, oh, I have something really deep or like, I'm going to talk about like, you know, the spirit or something like we just say it and it it just happens. And um, I think especially uh recently like if i scroll through my text history with my dad half of it is about music or like i'm having muscle cramps how do i fix it and then the other (laughs) half is like i was reading with my friend about charity what's the difference between charity and love and like i read something that said like god is not a punishing god what are your thoughts on that and so like that's one thing where the convenience of electronics actually helps and uh, (laughs) i think those conversations would of course be better if I were in person with you, but since I live hours and hours away, it's really nice to just be able to text him. And like, I don't like, it's just random out of the blue. Like I just have a question. I say, Oh, I'll ask my dad or, or I'll ask my mom or something. And then they'll just respond with their thoughts. And uh, I think it's, it's just really cool to, to, because I think Rivka said it well, like because the gospel is so fundamental to us, like it's so fundamental in, the things we talk about in our home. Um, 
And so, yeah, I think it's really, and it's, it's unifying and because generally those things are somewhat deeper and more vulnerable than just like, how was the weather or how was school? And so it helps to unify and create a good family environment um, as a family unit when we talk about those things together as a group. So, yeah, I had a friend who used to, he would say this about funny things. He was trying to be funny. He would say, it's only weird if you make it weird. (laughs) Um, But I think that really applies to all these things. And if some parts of the gospel are difficult or challenging to talk about, um, just feeling comfortable, you know, discussing them, even if you don't know all the answers, I think goes a long way to at least creating an open environment where, where your kids can bring things up like that tender story about your daughter, Rivka, Um, just feeling comfortable saying, Oh, you know, how do I, what does this mean? So well, and well, if it's a part, if it's a part of your daily, just right. family, um, culture, you don't have to have that big awkward chastity talk in one sitting. Right. It's just something that is continually brought up, and so, and then questions can form, or the understanding deepens as as they grow into it, you know, or big questions if you have if you have family members who are no longer active in the gospel or things like that that come up. It, you don't have to have those big things all at one time. And so the pressure's off you as a parent also. You don't have to make a big preparation or a presentation. It's just happening. And if the spirit is there, the spirit gives you words. That I can testify to from experience. And it will it will give them understanding that even your words may not be able to give. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so we're coming up on the end of our time today. So I'm going to ask you both, did either of you find any promises or invitations, or I should reverse that, invitations or promises attached to invitations? And while you're looking for that, I just feel like we can't end this without reading this quote. Children deserve to understand this great truth. Eternity is the wrong thing to be wrong about. Um, So I just loved that. And I think it's part of the summary of the doctrine that she's teaching here that you know, we have a responsibility to talk openly and frequently and consistently with our kids about these things um, because that's the thing we don't want to be wrong about. So did either of you find an invitation or a promise? At the end, um, she was saying that we should never, ever give up on them. So she says, as we nurture and prepare our children, we allow for their agency. We love them with all our heart. We teach them God's commandments and his gift of repentance, and we never, ever give up on them. After all, isn't this the Lord's way with each of us? So I guess you could summarize that by saying, uh, teach your children the way that the Lord teaches us. Yeah, that's fantastic. I think that's a great invitation. Rivka, did you have something? Yeah, she says... As children learn and progress, their beliefs will be challenged, but as they are properly equipped, they can grow in faith, courage, and confidence, even in the midst of strong opposition. Um, And considering the fact that we are all children of God, I think this applies to all of us, um, that we can trust that as we learn and progress, our beliefs will be challenged, and that we can also trust that um, if we are properly equipped, which is 
I mean, this come follow me thing that is happening in the church is just incredible. And studying the, the general conference talks is another way to do that. As we're properly equipped, our faith and our courage and our confidence will grow in the midst of strong opposition. Actually, that reminds me of one of President Monson's favorite um, illustrations of the tree. Like, I know there's a poem that he could probably say off the top of his tongue, and I can't, but that trees grow strongest in the wind because of the constant opposition. Anyway, I yeah. feel like the, the, the promise here, maybe through the whole talk, she doesn't, she doesn't say like a promise, but I feel like the promise through this whole thing is if you do this, that, that children, including all of us will be capable of dealing with the storms that are, are here and will continue to go as we get closer to the second coming of the savior. I love it. So, we're invited to teach our children in the Lord's way, and that will equip them um, with with faith, faith and confidence to face opposition. So, well, Aaliyah, that, so that's the end of this talk, and uh, appreciate all your insights into that one. This one was really a powerful talk for me, and it's something I I want to uh, read again and and try and incorporate into my own parenting and the teaching I do at church. So Aaliyah, can you tell people how to get a hold of us? Yes. So you can message us on our social media pages. Uh, we have Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our usernames are Words of the Prophets Podcast, or you can email us at wordsofthepropetspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we post on social media every Sunday and Thursday when we release our episodes. Fantastic. And the next talk we're going to discuss is Teaching in the Savior's Way by Jan E. Newman, second counselor in the Sunday School General Presidency. We're just going to take these in order, going along as they were given during conference. So that'll be our next one. So I enjoyed talking about that with both of you. And thanks to everybody today for joining us. And until next time, keep the faith. If we teach by the Spirit, and you listen by the Spirit, some one of us will touch on your circumstance, sending a personal prophetic epistle just to you.